This is Indian Noir. You're listening to Season 2, Episode 3 of Fear FM. Fifteen years later. Detective Inspector Anjali Prasad took in the sparse nature of her existence as she removed her boxing gloves. No photographs, no paintings, a rarely used TV, one couch, a small dining table with one chair. Things used to be different and she had just finished punishing those memories on the sand-filled punching bag in the basement of her home. She wiped her sweat with a sports towel and switched on the coffee machine. The only luxury she had allowed herself in this monk-like existence. It was either coffee or hitting the whiskey bottle hard. A necessary addiction to cope with life. She poured the hot coffee into a plain white ceramic mug. Then she sat at the table, leafing through her current case file. Teenage girls missing from their homes around the city. Thirteen of them so far. No break-ins. No involvement of sexual predators via Snapchat or Instagram. No naive escapades involving boyfriends. Just healthy, happy teenage girls vanishing into thin air. Based on her assessment, the girls had willingly gotten out of their beds, opened their front doors and walked out of the lives of their parents. In the beginning, during the days of heady optimism about how quickly the police force were going to crack the case, Anjali's diligence and excellent work ethic had brought the case file to her desk. Her boss was glowing with pride as he discussed her name at the early emergency meetings called to coordinate the investigation. Anjali has always been a great representative of our organization. She is the best of us, and I have complete faith she will resolve this mystery and bring the girls back to us. That was 13 missing girls ago. Things were not hunky-dory now. Anjali was no longer the poster girl for Indraprastha City's law enforcement units. She was by all accounts a failure, and her misery compounded when her mobile rang. She let it ring for a bit, dreading what she was going to hear from the caller. When she did pick up the phone finally, her fears were realised. There has been another one, the voice at the other end said. The circumstances of the case were so similar, she might as well not have turned up. There were minimal cameras in the city, and the imagery provided by the first-generation units were not great. 
They had trawled through hours of grainy footage and not found anything of use. No suspicious vehicles. No witness accounts. The parents definitely did not hear a thing. The teenage girl in this house on Idiniva Street had disappeared just like the thirteen others. Anjali watched on dejectedly as the father of the missing girl tried to console his hysterical wife. They knew that the police had failed in previous instances. They knew in their heart that their daughter's name would disappear into the labyrinthine world of cold cases. Anjali walked into the teenage girl's room decorated with manga and Bollywood posters featuring androgenic characters smiling almost eerily at the tragedy that originated in this room. A pink diary with its locked away secrets sat on the desk. Anjali didn't need to read them anymore. She knew what crushes and insecurities and dreams lay within. It was like reading a testimony of her failures. Her failures, which had robbed these girls of their futures. She felt lightheaded and had to steady herself on the bedpost. God, show me a path. How am I going to help these girls? She picked up her mobile phone and sent out a description of the missing girl to the control room for immediate dispatch to interstate police. It had to be sex trafficking syndicates or the organ farming mafias or a predator who was smart enough to outwit the entire force. She might have been at the verge of giving up, but she was not done fighting for the lives of these girls yet. A constable interrupted her thoughts with a gentle tap on Anjali's shoulder. Madam, there is someone here to see you about the case. Insists she has some inside information. Uh, if you ask me, she looks like a nut job. But I thought I would let you know. Why didn't you try to find out more from her? Anjali said. She will only talk to you, the constable said. This better be worth my time. Okay, I'll be there in a second, Anjali said. Anjali quickly scanned the room and breathed in the sadness blanketing its otherwise cheerful vibe before she stepped out to meet the person. It took Anjali some moments to come to terms with who she was looking at. This sad, distressed, filthy figure in a t-shirt and jeans. Her hair badly in need of a cut and a wash. Her unloved skin aging her by about ten years. Her long, dirty nails constantly scratching at the needle marks on her arms. Time hadn't been kind to Deepa Malhotra. What do you want, Deepa? Anjali said. Oh, hi, uh, uh, hi, hi, Anjali. Uh. Deepa could barely maintain eye contact with Anjali. She kept looking at the ground every few seconds. Hi, do you have something for me? Anjali said, annoyance writ large on her face. 
Anjali, um, <laughs> I know you asked me not to contact you ever again. Um, and I'm sorry about everything that has happened. Uh, but I had to. Uh, you will understand when you hear me out. I had to reach out to you. Deepa said. Is this something about the case I am investigating right now? Or does this have to do with another horrible surprise you have got planned for your family and friends? Anjali said. Uh, I, I, Deepa said. Tell me what you have got and get out of here, Anjali said. I didn't mean to steal from you. Um, I, I was sick, Anjali, Deepa said. You're still sick, Anjali said. Deepa scratched her forearms furiously, as if to counter a surge of guilt coursing through her body. The Lal Chudel. She is behind these disappearances. I have been saying things, uh, getting these visions for weeks now. She is taking the girls to her, Deepa started. Stop right there. Lal Chudale, the bullshit story you cooked up to satiate the guilt of your failure to look after Seema has now been resurrected again. So you can come back into my life. Steal some more of my money to fund your drug habit. I, I, if I'm your friend, I wouldn't lie to you, Deepa said. Let's correct that statement. You were my friend, and you failed that duty like you failed in everything else in your life. Like you failed to look after Seema, Anjali said. Anjali was suddenly transported to the mouth of the pit in the woods, where she arrived with the adults to find a hysterical deeper, blathering on about a figure dressed in red who had dragged Seema away into a tunnel. There was indeed a tunnel that led into a large network of caves, where silence and bats dwelled. While that discovery was a surprise, there was no indication that Seema had been spirited away by an unknown assailant, nor did they find her body. Anjali had always thought that the likely scenario was that as soon as she left, Deepa had started bullying Seema, who then decided to crawl through the tunnel and go walk about, only to find herself lost and eventually met with a fatal accident. The size of the cave system meant the authorities had missed her body. To this day, Anjali regretted leaving Deepa behind, regretted trusting her former best friend. Anjali felt she deserved part of the blame too, but she did not deserve this woman's wild theories about her current case. She didn't have time for this bullshit. I know how you hate me for the things I have done. But listen to me, Anjali, listen to me. I swear on my parents. I saw that creature drag away Seema. And now, and now I'm getting visions that tell me Lal Chudel has something to do about this. She told me she needs me for the ceremony. 
Deepa said. The Lal Chudail is the invention of the residents of Karipur, a myth told to scare children, that you have appropriated for your own selfish reasons. Deepa, I want you to stop this rubbish right now and get out of my face, Anjali said. I thought you would understand. I thought you would help. If you don't do this, more girls are going to disappear, Deepa said. Get lost, you wretch. You need rehab. Oh, oh, wait. How many times have you been in rehab now? Anjali said. Deepa cried. I got nothing now. I got no friends. I got... I've got a family. I've got a chance to do something good. And I came to you thinking. Deepa wiped her tears. I heard you have a daughter. So I thought you would have some sympathy for these girls. Deepa said. Anjali rushed at Deepa, grabbed her by the collar with one hand and raised a fist. Don't you dare. Don't you fucking dare. She took in a deep breath and regained her composure and let go of Deepa's collar. She turned around and walked back to the house. And as she departed, Deepa heard her former best friend clearly say, I wish it was you who got lost and died in that cave.